This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. Brace yourselves, there's a lot to deal with here. Scott Owen. Firstly, Raw Fans of Melbourne are going to have your head for that. And Adam Pace. <laughs> it's good to see that you're listening. Starting now. Well, here we are, 26 games later, and unfortunately that is going to be the end of the Brisbane Raw's A-League men's season, but good news... The Brisbane Football Review is here to recap what has been a fairly eventful uh, week in Queensland football. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on Clutch Radio. Is well, I'd like to think that we're going to try and lift your spirits heading into what should be a very busy off-season for Queensland's only A-League club. Scott, how are you? I'm good, James. Don't forget, there is one more game left of this A-League season for the Brisbane Roar on Friday night, but um, that was a good way to end the, end the league season anyway last night, wasn't it? It was, although I will take issue with you saying that it is an A-League game, because technically it is a cup fixture, Adam. Uh, it is. Uh, it's all about the uh, Australia Cup, and it's uh, interesting how a game that is in this campaign could very well affect the, the next campaign. Yes, it's that sort of pedantic, semantic arguments that you will have over the next hour, as uh, we've got plenty to discuss, even though... There is uh, no more raw A-League men's football, or A-League women's, for that matter, but uh, we will just have to wait and see how it goes. Now, last night, up at Morton Daly Stadium, it was the final catch-up match for the Raw. It was the postponed Round 25 fixture against Sydney FC, and it was a 3-1 win to the Raw, which closed out actually what has been a fairly successful home season for them, at least, Scott, hasn't it? It's been a better home season than it has been an away season, no doubt about that. And it was a good way to finish the season at home, wasn't it? Um, it was. It started off a bit like we've seen um, the most games this year, where Raw dominate possession and concede a goal. But last time they were able to find their way back into the game, weren't they? And it was pretty clear both sides were not necessarily at their absolute best. And once Brisbane did get ahead of the game 2-1 and then 3-1, there was really no way back for Sydney, was there? It looked like Sydney were very much just looking to get the game over with. And for Brisbane's point of view, it's a pretty good tune-up for that really important cup game on Friday night. But to your point, the home form this year has been better than the away form. It has. But, um, look, miserable, wet, windy Tuesday night up at uh, Morton Daly Stadium. Not exactly the best place for uh, football, was it, Adam? But you still braved the conditions either way, didn't you? Yeah, um, obviously with the head of the uh, rain apocalypse part two that's coming. Uh, yeah, look, it, it was uh, a very very windy night uh, up up there at um, at uh, Morton Daly Stadium, and I think the conditions sort of did did cause a bit, you know, a few things for both teams. Well, I I, I will admit I watched it at home with my child because uh, I thought I probably should be a father at some point uh, this football season, but. Um, I, I only actually got to see little snippets of the game because my internet decided that with the uh, looming apocalyptic weather that's coming to this part of the world, uh, it wasn't the best night for uh, my signal. But I did see a few passes getting sprayed uh, a long way off target, and it looked like it was because of the wind, Scott. It was certainly gusting quite strongly up at uh, Ajax, uh, at Dolphin Stadium, or what the stadium, last night. Um, a lot of people thought it might be a game impacted by the weather in terms of rain coming down. There wasn't much rain if any to speak of but the wind as we have seen up at Redcliffe not for the first time played a bit of an impact in the game but again I think it was it was the same for both sides but I'm not sure it had too great of an impact on the game but it was certainly certainly a windy night up there last night for sure but most importantly it was a win wasn't it Scott uh, Adam we'll go to Adam this time Yes, it, yes, it was. I think I think that's probably the most important thing that they look ahead now, to with confidence and momentum going into Friday night. That um, that yeah, and also as well, first win in eight matches against Sydney FC. Even though I think I think you can you know, make a few excuses for 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 Sydney. The fact is that you know they didn't have pretty much much to play for. Um, that that you know basically that. That they they sort of were they looked like they looked like a, a squad that were really at the end of of a of a campaign and were just basically running on fumes. They 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 didn't seem to to really you know be anywhere near what we expect. And I think um, that's reflecting the fact that they've now lost seven straight matches across uh, all competitions. To be fair, they both kind of look like sides that were only really playing out the string. I 
well, again, just going off the bits that I saw, but, you know, it, it is the unfortunate thing where you got the dead rubber where the Raw couldn't change their uh, position to try and get a home Australia Cup qualifier. Sydney, you know, they'd set such a high bar over the last five or so years, weren't able to live up to it this year. That's for Sydney FC to discuss. And it, it do, winning that game doesn't really do anything either way in terms of my thoughts on uh, the Raw this season. But it, it does, you know, let yourself at least end the A-League campaign on a high note. Um, what we will do now is hear from the Raw coach, Warren Moon, and get his thoughts on the game. Probably the best way to describe it. You know, great, great way to sign off at home uh, for what's been a really tough year. Um, but yeah, you know, it's nice to obviously end on that note. We took some chances tonight, which was good. And uh, just goes to show with this team, with the, with the chances we generally create, what we can do when we actually take them. Uh, Rory, your side's gone behind a few times this year. Were you pleased with the resilience to fight back tonight and get some goals to get the points? Yeah, I was. But again, frustrated. I don't think they had a kick, a shot on goal. And, and again, it, it, for me, uh, I was pleased that we, for the first time, found a way to come back. But I can't remember if Sydney even had a chance on goal up until they scored. And, and, and it's a familiar pattern. I'm thinking Central Coast. I'm thinking uh, many games where we've got good control and we're comfortable defensively. And... Uh, and we find ways or we switch it off um, to allow the opposition to punish us. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we were relatively comfortable. You know, I wouldn't say we were great on the ball in the first half. We were, we were working our way into the game in difficult conditions, but, um, but, but we were comfortable. And so we did something today that we haven't done. We, we had a quick response and we, we found ourselves in front after going and going down. So pleased with that for sure. But, uh, but, you know, for this side to progress, we need to make sure we're concentrated for the full 90. And that was Warren Moon in the press conference. And... Above all else, I think we've discussed this before, Adam, but he did seem tired because for everybody in the A-League, it has been a really draining campaign, hasn't it? Oh, it's been it's been one of those seasons where it's just been absolute, you know, stop start, you know, to try and to try and prepare. Uh, I don't know I don't think there was a club maybe maybe Adelaide United's the only one I can think of that maybe you know, had a fairly un unsort of, you know, challenge sort of, you know, Preparation where they they basically played you know scheduled even they had a couple of you know rescheduled games thrown in there but for a club like the Raw uh, their their schedule has been sort of stop start all season so I just think they'll they'll be glad to at least you know be within ninety minutes or maybe one hundred twenty minutes of the of the the end of this season ninety minutes let's be optimistic here uh, Scott ninety minutes definitely ninety minutes <laughs> no yeah. it has been it's been stop start but it's also been really quick in the way that's been played because of the, the um, breaks that we've had to have in terms of COVID and all the rest of it, not just themselves, other teams. The games have come thick and fast. Haven't they? A lot of three-day breaks in between games, which has seen a lot of heavy legs for players. And we've got one more of those three-day breaks to look forward to for Friday night. But it's been short and sharp, but it's also been hectic in the middle, James. You know what I mean? It's been, it's been another really weird season. And I feel like the big difference between the run home this year compared to last is the fact that the Raw just never really were able to find that cohesion that they did uh, in 2021, where they used the short turnarounds to their uh, to great benefit, I think, where they were putting together quite a few positive results, but they just didn't have it uh, this season. And that's a big reason why they're not playing finals football. Yeah, but I also think as well that last season they had the benefit of sort of being, I guess, the hunter where where they they pretty much the the, the amount of games that backed up were also home games, so there wasn't that much travel. Where this season they seem to be a lot of away games, you know, and then into you know fewer home games when it got really compacted as far as the draw goes. And and yeah, I just think that you know maybe this this season they were sort of you know the losers of as far as um, the the actual you know scheduling goes. Where last season I think that they benefited. They were able to get a number of teams and basically ambush them. Being being in the top four, top four as well, or being in the finals place as well, that would have gave them impetus as well. Where they didn't weren't playing so many pressure games where it was must win or you know that you now the result was adverse. Where you know they they could go and they can almost go in and say you know what if we don't win. We try and pick up three points next time, and that will get us into the finals. Where this season they're on the opposite end. Yeah, I think last night also the game against Sydney James also shows why the Raw didn't make the finals. Because last night was it was a really good game. They played some good football in the front third, and they took their chances. But 
that hasn't happened often enough this year. Has a really good finish from Juan Lascano, for example, on the near post for the second goal of the game. An absolutely really good goal. We haven't seen enough of that sort of sort of play in the front third from the Roy over the course of the season where they've got those chances and they've taken them. They've, they've not taken their chances. That's been the real big reason why they haven't made the finals. And that's, that is definitely area number one to address in the off-season. 29 yeah. goals in 26 games are not going to get you much finals football. No, unless uh, you're Wellington with like a minus 15 goal difference or something like that. But that probably says more about how hot and cold the Knicks have been. But back I will to say back... on that point, the Royals got 28 goals two years ago and finished top four. So work that one out. Defence. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing, the but... defence has been so great for the last couple of years. This year it wasn't quite as good and wasn't able to cover up the fact they haven't had that 10 goal a year goal scorer. Yeah, and we'll get into this in a little bit more detail on the end of season show, but I kind of feel like the perfect summary as to, you know, what sort of season the Roar have had has basically been that their final two games have been COVID-enforced catch-ups against Central Coast and Sydney FC on a Tuesday night at Morton Daly Stadium in front of, let's be honest, only the most dedicated uh, and able in the fan base who were willing to make the effort to go out there on a uh, miserable Tuesday night where it just, it's been that sort of a struggle this season. I know last year has been the same and 2020 was different because it finished in the hub, but I, I feel like it does kind of have to come with an asterisk where you say it's really just been a sucky season all around, not because of anything that the Roar have done, but just the way that it's kind of played out and the fact that the season we hoped A-League-wide was going to be the start of a new era has kind of been a little bit of, you know, Ian Thorpe falling out of the blocks in the 2004 uh, Olympic swimming trials. That's a great reference, that. <laughs> but, yeah, look, to, to, for me, for me, I think we'll, we'll look back in a few years' time, you know, hopefully, and they'll say, well, you know, this, this year was year zero of, of the new era of, you know, A-League 2.0, if you want to call it that. Um, because... It's, it's a case of things that that um, have gone sort of sort of gone wrong as far as you know the, the scheduling goes. I think you, you told me a stat, James, about 80, 80 games or so was were, was rescheduled from its original schedule that came out in you know back back last year. And that that's no way, no way that you, you can you basically you lose all the casual fans for starters. If 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 they if they don't know when teams are playing are playing when they're not playing, they're going to really lose interest very quick. And even I think they extended to more rusted on fans as well. When you know when they're playing you know back to back Tuesday night games, oh, look to be honest, I don't blame them. Unless you're super dedicated, you've got nothing on. Um, a lot of play, a lot of team fans are just not going to um to be interested in that. Whether they whether they then turn bother to switch on. Paramount and, and watch the game from home or wherever. That's a completely different story. But I think that basically sums up the season in a nutshell. You know, league wide, that you know, without without consistency in your schedule, uh, you, you're going to be you're fighting an uphill battle as far as marketing goes to begin with. And it is why I do give them a like the league a pass mark where, you know, just to go behind the iron curtain for a second. You know, my day job uh, with Ladbrokes and Neds. I put all the fixtures up on the uh, Ladbrokes blog and there have been that many postponements and stuff. I just, I normally try and say, oh, this is a postponed week 12 fixture or whatever. It just got so all over the place where you'd have games from, you know, rounds 7, 14 and 21 being played on the same Saturday. It, like, that's the sort of thing that you just go, it's too hard to do. But I'm at least, you know, proud to say what, didn't miss a raw game this year, whether it was on TV or in person. But Scott, like it, it does just you know show that this season has been a real grind for everyone involved. It has been a real grind, has no doubt about that. I can't really disagree with um, what you and Adam said there in terms of the league, in terms of the scheduling of the games, and if you haven't got that regular schedule or that defined locked-in schedule, it's very difficult for not necessarily the rusted-on supporters to follow, but the casual fan out there may not necessarily be able to follow it if it, they're not, they don't know when the games are on. But I think you've covered that quite well. Can we go back to the swimming? It seems like that might be more apropos and Ian Thorpe falling into the pool and given the weather this week. And I feel sorry. Was it? Who, do you remember who it was who um, 
who had to give up his place for Ian Thorpe to go back into that Olympics because he got oh, in there eventually. He got Craig in the Stevens. Even, that's it, Craig. Because he, yeah. he got into the race and eventually got to race in um in Athens, Athens. I think it was, and he won the gold medal. But he's lucky he won that, by the way. I wouldn't be giving up my spot in the Olympics for anything. No chance. I don't care who you are. Sorry, yeah. but, but, but I, I, I go back to that because I can't disagree with anything you said. There's no point repeating it, but you're right. The scheduling issue, it was a real problem, and I think it is something that the uh, the APL, not just the Raw, the APL, really need to make sure that next year the schedule is really clever in terms of making sure that the games stay at their original date, but also they have some really well-crafted schedule and fixtures that allow clubs to really market their big fixtures so that the big games are really well spread out and are marketed, not just in those markets, also around the league. So that you think back to like the derbies, for example, if they were must-watch games anywhere in the country. Now they're just another thing, and I think they've got to try and find a way to, to make those big marquee fixtures special again. Yeah, I can remember back in, you know, 2013, you know, rushing home from when the Raw would have like a Saturday evening kickoff at uh, Suncorp to make sure that I would be home in time for the primetime Sydney Derby or Melbourne Derby or whatever was getting played at that point in time. But again, like, I do think, you know, the APL did their best to try and keep communicating. They kept posting things on social, which weirdly enough, people who seem to live on Facebook and Twitter complain they never saw anything on Facebook and Twitter. Um, yeah, they, they did their best, but it did kind of feel like you were stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, and it was a lose-lose situation all around, really, because you can't really... Yeah, you, you, there was no real clean and easy solution, and that's kind of where I keep coming back to as well, where there's not a whole lot you can uh, really do about that. Yeah, but and look, and don't, don't get me wrong as well. This is not yeah. a case of bagging out the APL and saying they've dropped the ball. It's circumstances beyond their control, but you also you can't run away from the fact that if the, the reason why there's such a malaise with the A-League at the moment is a lot of it has to do with the scheduling. You know, I think it comes down to also as well being tough with the clubs and saying, you know what, this is a schedule. If for whatever reason, especially in the post, you know, the worst of the COVID era, you know, it's a case of now saying you you have an obligation as a club to play play the game. If you've got six players out because of you know a positive COVID, you've got to find six players to, to fill fill in. So it's like I said, I, I know that you know a lot of it is beyond the control, and it's probably you know a little bit harsh. But again, the schedule is everything. If, if the schedule is, is broke or we have a situation where you're just rescheduling games and playing them on a midweek and try and catch up, you're going to lose the captive audience. Well, I think for me, and we'll go to you in a sec, Scott, but it comes back to the fact that now, if it's down to health, like it's play on. But in the instance of things like a natural disaster like we saw here in late February, Absolutely. that's where you still can show a little bit of flexibility. Um, but we saw it with Perth where they had 15 first-team players out injured or anything, and they just said, all right, we're playing the kids. And in, uh, in other sports now, I've noticed, Jam, not that I pay too much attention to some of the winter codes, but I noticed that a couple of them have got massive COVID lists of players that are unavailable, and they're playing on. They're going and finding players in other leagues, to Adam's point, going and finding players to get a squad out there to compete. That's something that's going to have to be the way going forward. We can't keep postponing games for, for these reasons anymore. It was obviously necessary a couple of years ago, but now with things opening up once again, I think it's just going to be a case of... If, a player or players are unavailable, you dig into your youth team or your reserves and you find find the players that can play the game. I think that's going to be the way it has to be from now on. Or you find Homer Simpson sitting in the stands and tell him to get his hand off your wife's leg. But I would say, like, yeah, but we did see that rule change coming in around, under, around about late March or something where they did say, all right, from here on out, if you don't, like, it's, play on no uh, COVID force rescheduling and I think that is going to be the um, way forward from here on out what I would like to say just as a final thought as well like there is a lot to decipher from this raw season we will have an end of season special coming up post A-League grand final so that'll be around about June 1 if my very quick calendar maths is uh, in fact accurate but we'll yeah, we'll recap it all, talk about, you know, the players we like, the players that may not have uh, really lived up to expectations. I think if you've listened to Warren Moon's press conferences, it's pretty obvious who those guys are. Um, 
and we'll try and uh, yeah look forward to what will hopefully be a fairly big 22-23 season, starting with what we hope will be an Australia Cup berth. However, the Raw did uh, wrap up their current season as well with their end-of-year awards uh, night, which was um, attended by players and partners and club staff and everything. And we'll quickly run through the award winners, starting with the A-League Women's. The Player of the Year, Ishinari, the captain. Players Player of the Year, Katrina Gori. Uh, Breakthrough Player of the Year, Jamila Rankin. And the uh, Raw Golden Boot went to Larissa Crummer. As for the A-League men, Gary Wilkins' medal went to Jay O'Shea, the Players Player of the Year. Breakthrough Player of the Year, Henry Hoare. And the Golden Boot was Juan Lascano, which was only decided last night with his goal to put the Raw up 2-1 in the first half. So congratulations to all those winners. Now on to the really, really important uh, award that was handed out um, to the Raw A-League men's side. And that was, of course, the Brisbane Football Review Player of the Year Award handed out by Mick Mal- oh, sorry, Adam uh, after the game to its winner. Uh, excuse me. It was Mick Malloy's Northern uh, Non-Union Equivalent that handed the award to... Mick Malloy's uh, Malloy sober equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks thanks to John on Twitter for that uh, reference. I, I don't know whether to be flattered or insulted by that. but uh, It is your nickname from now on. You're not getting away yeah. from this. Oh, God, if I was half as funny as he was, I'd be uh, doing all right. But yes, You wouldn't uh, be doing this with us. Yeah, but uh, yeah, look, uh, Jay Shea, we, we awarded the, uh, the, the, the trophy to him after the game... Last night, uh, he was, I must say, a clear winner in the in the final standings uh, in the top five. Seen just to recap, those who haven't seen it on uh, our socials. So Jay Shea won it with 67 votes, ahead of Henry Hoare on 47, Scott Neville 46, Luke Vanovich 30, and Alex Parsons wrapped up the top five on 29 points and as always thank you to Sun State Trophies for the beautiful trophy that uh, that we uh, gave both uh, Jay and Katrina Gorey for the uh, uh, A-League Women's uh, Player of the Year earlier in the year. And it, that is the second season we've done the uh, BFR Player of the Year award for the Roar and it's actually a nice little bit of fun and a good way to uh, mark the season as well for us. Um, I will admit, once it was declared that Jay O'Shea had won the award, I'm pretty sure I donkey voted the last two games. Uh, I can't remember who I gave my votes to, but uh, pretty. We pretty we sure. all we all donkey voted because if we close it off with two <laughs> games to go. Once one, once once he won it, there's like I said that was we're we're looking we're only looking to get a winner. So uh, I, I will I will admit that that it was over 24 rounds because uh, Jay O'Shea wrapped it up with two rounds to go. And. Let's be honest, he probably would have just powdered his lead in those games if we were actually voting seriously. Rather than, rather than me giving my votes to Aidan Mumford, Nick O'Connell, and Brandon McMorrow. No, oh, they're They're worthy recipients. Extremely <laughs> worthy. Massive impact. Yes. You All wait right. till you get down to a Lions game after that shot at Aidan Mumford, by the way. You'll yeah. Yeah. He's a good friend of ours. You leave Aidan alone. Yeah. That's why I gave him the three points. All right, moving on. Uh, Australia Cup. The Roar are back in action on Friday night down in uh, Western Sydney, taking on the Wanderers for a spot in the national round of 32. And just a quick uh, poll between the two of you. I do like the fact that now with the league expanding to 12 teams, they're only keeping 10 uh, spots in the national stage. And uh, I, I do like the uh, playoffs to give them um, a spot in the uh, round of 32. Scott, what about you? I'd do it differently, to be honest with you. I okay. would, I would expand the cup out only slightly, add another six uh, member federation teams. The bottom six teams in the A League would play off against those extra teams for a spot in the national round of 32. I, to me, that would be the fairer way to do it, and I would have those games really early in the preseason, even earlier, obviously earlier in the round of 32. So you might have to push that back a little bit, but that's when I would do that in terms of. That's your punishment, if you like, for missing the top six. You have to play another game to get into the round of 30. So I would do that as opposed to tacking on a four-team playoff at the end of the A-League regular season, which they're trying to push through before the final series begins. It just seems like these games are being played and trying to get them through without anyone really paying too much attention to them. Adam? 
I just flat out don't like it. I, I Not because the Raw are involved. I didn't like it last year, and I don't like it this year. Uh, and it, you could have a potential situation where the last year the Cup winners came out of the playoffs in Melbourne victory. So... I, I look. I, I actually agree with Scott. Though. I think that it's it's time that they they expanded it out. Not to. I don't think 64 is the answer because I think and, and we Scott and I when you know obviously we we watched games and so we've, we've discussed it. Um, sort of you know when, when we're out in the traps, we've sort of thought about you know what where what would happen if you went to 64. I think the quality then drops off. You know once you get to once you get to you know. 45, 50 teams. I think it does. So I think that you do need to limit it. I don't think you can go out to 64. But realistically, it should be a staged approach. Bit, bit similar to uh, the Carabao Cup, or whatever the hell they call it these days, uh, where where basically that the top... I think it's the, all the European teams are all uh, in the third round of the Carabao Cup, and league, F- the League F- Cup. And, yeah, and, uh, and the FA Cup, it's similar too. Yeah, oh, well, the FA, FA Cup is all, all the Premier League sides kick off in the yeah. third round. So, so yes, yeah, so I think that's probably the way they probably should expand it out. out but, yeah, the, these playoffs, um, I don't know. The only thing I will say about what Scott's idea is I still have the open draw. If if they end up in, in that in that first round, if you know, four A-League clubs then draw each other, then, then that's, that's just bad luck. It's luck of the draw. But, um, yeah, I think that's probably a better way. But I think we're both in agreement that it, that should, yeah, these playoffs, for me, they should be happening. Just to clarify, I'm talking about adding an extra six teams from around the country, so one from pretty much every state, yeah. and that would be an open draw, them versus mm. another A-League okay. side to get into the round of 32, and then from there, whatever you want to do, open draw, I'm completely with that. I'm just talking about you go and get another six teams from around the country to give them a chance to, to get in, and they have to play an A-League side, which would be, I don't know, I, I would force that to be at the NPL ground. I don't know if that rule still exists, but in this case, I would say you're, the A-League side, you're on the road at like Sterling Lions versus Brisbane Raw, for example, you're going to Perth and you're playing that game over there, for example. I, can, I, I do think, you know, the system could be tweaked, but I do I like the idea of there being some form of punishment for um, A-League sides in terms of having to play that extra game as well. You know, whether it's like whether it's at the end of this season, which I do kind of get the criticism of because, you know, this is a raw side that may look very different next year. Probably not as different as some may think. There, I don't think there's going to be a huge broom through the uh, squad the way that um, there was three years ago. But I do also kind of think that, you know, they need the previous season squad shouldn't be dictating the fixturing for the next season squad. So maybe you have that game, you know, mid-July with the national round of 32 kicking off on, say, you know, the first week in August or something. Just, uh, like, give it a little bit more meaning where it's like, okay, this is the 2022-23 squad for the Raw, for the Wanderers, for the Glory and Newcastle. I, I just think there are tweaks, but I do like it. If we are tweaking the... Uh, Australia Cup, as it is now renamed, and I'm sure I'm going to accidentally call it the FFA Cup many a times uh, over the next few years, just purely because I am a touch senile. Um, I do, touch. I do kind of want to see them expand the draw out a little bit, where maybe you give yeah the top six in the A League a path to the round of 32, but yeah, everyone else plays or something. I don't know, just. I want one more get one more round added on. I just don't know the best way to add it on. Add six teams from around the country, and you get yourself to forty. There you go. Yeah, that could work. So last year it would have been Olympic playing, like Victory or someone like that. The teams who missed out in the very last round, James. The teams who lose in the final round of Australia Cup qualifying, maybe chuck yeah. all of those into a big group, and it's a second chance draw for them. I know that sounds ridiculous and all the rest of it. Maybe that's the way you can do it. Or, or you just Unless you want to completely go and rejig the qualifying to, yeah. to do that. I think that's probably the way to... I think you'll probably find that they'd rejig it. But yeah. anyway, eventually I'd like to see it get to a national round of 64. But that is a discussion for another time. Um, one thing that I know... One person who I know isn't entirely happy with the uh, scheduling of the Cup at the end of uh, what has been a fairly gruelling A-League season is Warren Moon. This is what he had to say uh, after the game last night just poorly placed I mean they really 
it's been a long, arduous season, and they stick this game here. And you know, I, I think uh, I think the FFA Cup's wonderful. I think it's the best thing that's happened to this country for football. You know, but it's now time to to get serious around what the A League teams do and when they come into the competition. You know, we, we've given you know, and I've been on both sides, so I, you know, love the leg up for the NPL sides and 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 the, the local teams. But you know, I think the time now is to to look at how we do this differently now, and uh, you know. Throwing this game at the back end of a really tough season for everyone, you know, is uh, in, in my view, it's it's wrong and needs to be looked at. And well done to whoever asked him that question. I'm going to assume it wasn't one of you two. Ah, uh, it might have been Ed. Okay, well, well done, yeah. Ed. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, I just follow up on it. I will give him credit for that. Yeah, okay. that was later on. So yeah, yeah. Um, either way, Friday night, seven thirty ish. Kickoff, I want to say. Yep, at uh, Wanderers at Wanderers Football Park in Blacktown. Is that their academy? Yes. Ground, but okay. Well, I suppose the question is as well, who plays in that game? Because there were a few guys uh, not involved last night from the outset, like Luke Ivanovich, Jack Hingett, and a couple of others as well, who you would think would probably wind up coming back into the lineup for that game, Scott. Well, Warren did say he will make changes from the team on Tuesday night because of, again, the three-day break. And you mentioned some of the players there. They probably will come back. I imagine, James, it'll be whatever Warren Moon and the coaching staff believe is the strongest side they have available. I imagine last night was a slightly rotational, maybe trying out a couple of different things, seeing if a couple of players can find a bit of form. But I think for Friday night, it'll be whatever they consider to be their absolute best team left in the squad this year will be starting the game. And... It is really important to get the win in this cup because it does, as Adam's point earlier, it does completely change the way your preseason looks if you are or aren't in the cup. Because having those competitive games early in the preseason, if you don't have those, James, I think it's going to be a big difference in terms of your preparation. It may leave teams who don't qualify this weekend behind the eight ball. Yeah. And, you know, we'll probably uh, give a little bit more weight to those preseason friendlies against Leeds and Aston Villa. Where you can use those as a little bit more of a tune-up for those games uh, for what you hope will be a national round of 32 game. I would like them to draw an NPL. Like, I know I was getting ahead, but I kind of want to see more A-League NPL clashes in the round of 32. But uh, anyway, first of all, I have to get to that game. And uh, we'll close out this little uh, bit, Adam, by asking you first, will the Raw qualify for the national stage? Jeez, uh, like I said, my heart says yes, but my my head says no. I, I I'm, I, I think, I think the three days, the three day turnaround, uh, I, I and and the travel I, that might get them, that might catch them out. I think Wanderers, I think equally, if you hear what their view is, I don't, I don't think they're gonna either go and say, oh, who cares? This is a playoff. We don't care. I, I think that you know, I think because it's the stakes are as equally high for them. You know, if they, if they get, um, if they get beaten on on Friday night as well, you know, they they get like I said, their their preseason looks very different. So I, I actually I actually got this feeling that no, I think that Wanderers are gonna are going to get home an extra time. Scott, yeah, I'm a bit same. I think it's a, the three day turnaround makes it really tough. The only good thing that happened last time for the Roar is it didn't pour down during the game and. It wasn't a heavy pitch, so the recovery won't be quite as bad as it would have been in that situation. But I do agree, the three-day turnaround and the Wanderers being hungry to end their season on on a high note, I think does give... Does really difficult. But I will say the confidence Raw did gain in the second half, James, in front of goal, the, the chances yeah. and the movement and the confidence you can see building through them, if they can carry that over... We did see last month they went down to Bankwest Stadium and do quite well, so... I tend to agree with Adam, but I think it's a really, really tight contest. They've played in the Cup once before, of course, by the way, and that was a 1-0 win for Western Sydney. Don't, don't five, get me wrong. I, don't get me wrong. I hope they do They do win. But I just, yeah, just if, I, if I've got to be objective and thinking about it, yeah, I, I just, yeah, just wonder that, that the, the three-day turnaround. Uh, look, I agree with Warren. It, it is ridiculous. It, it absolutely is ridiculous for a game this magnitude that they've, they've got to play, they play this three days later. I, I just think... I think, yeah, and I think that maybe what just at this stage of the season, one bridge too far, and that's, that's, that's my worry, but God, I hope they can do it. Well, actually, the only... six this year, James, against the Wanderers, sorry. 
There you go. Uh, the only point I would also make about that as well, I would have loved to have seen the game Saturday afternoon as a little bit of a prelude to um, the elimination final down in Melbourne. But perhaps because they are playing it at Wanderers Sports Park or whatever it is, do they not have access to the ground on Saturday because of uh, an NPL uh, fixture? NRL? Uh, NPL. Well, why, why NPL News... I was going to say, Com- Combank Stadium is free, as far as I'm concerned, because NRL's at Magic Round. Up in no, 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 NPL, National Premier Leagues. Oh, I don't... Do they, do they, oh, they probably do. But I know they're an academy ground, they control it anyway. Yeah, you'd think yeah, they'd, they'd... Rescheduled. I suppose so, but... I, I think know, it's that's more the APL are trying to get these games done and out the yeah. way before the final, so the, fo- the focus on the weekend is the elimination finals as opposed to the, the cup playoffs. Although then, sorry, sorry, James. Um, although let's hope that maybe that they have a similar um, decision like they did with uh, the Newcastle Perth game, where that was originally supposed to be played at Jack McLaughlin Oval, Edgeworth's home ground. That's been moved to McDonald Jones Stadium because of the, of the weather. So let's just hope that maybe the weather might actually prove favourable and get that game moved to to Combank, which I, I know won't be used on Friday night because, um, like I said, uh, NRL are up at uh, up here this weekend for Magic Round. And I'm pretty sure the Waratahs are away. Oh, no, wait. They've got Super Rugby at Combank on Saturday. The Battle of the Pacific, Drua versus Minor oh. Pacifica. So that's probably that at, oh, that stadium out of... Yeah. yeah. And thank goodness there's no um, A-League at Suncorp in a week and a half's time because that field could be absolutely ruined with eight rugby league games and all this water coming this weekend. Yes. <laughs> anyway, well... Yeah, the three-day turnaround does make me a little bit nervous. However, looking at the starting 11 from last night, just even while distracted by talking to you two, um, I did see uh, like four fairly obvious changes that you can make uh, to rotate that squad through. So it's not like they are going to be all that short of options off the bench as well. Now, um, as we are approaching silly season uh, for the clubs, the Mad Monday celebrations are probably only a few days away for the Raw. Uh, that also means there are transfer rumours. Now, we'll keep this really quick. I just wanted to give you two a chance to laugh off the rumours of Jay O'Shea to Perth. Go for it. Oh, so... So, Andy Keogh's an Irishman. Jay O'Shea's an Irishman. Oh, they must they must want to play, uh, play together in Perth. Well, how ridiculous. Keogh's but, retiring anyway. Yeah, apparently he's... Apparently I read he's going to be one of the... the uh, club recruitment or something like that. Jeez, I tell, I tell you what, <laughs> they, 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 whoever come up with that rumour would probably want a little bit more than a geographical connection, or even even if they even know each other and they're best friends. I don't, I don't know. Considering that Joe Shea is under contract at the Raw and the the DTS hasn't even been formalised yet. Um, I would be absolutely staggered if Jay O'Shea got a mutual termination to go play in Perth. I think that would raise a lot more questions about the Raw and their attention than it'd be about Perch poaching him. Yeah, I would say every player has a price. Nobody is um, in a position where they should be looking at um, letting players go on a free, especially one that is as valuable to the uh, side as Jay O'Shea is. However, if that domestic transfer system comes in and someone wants to uh, pay well and truly over the uh, sticker price for him... I start bidding at $3 million. There you go. <laughs> just, what, just one of those roles... Yeah, one of those... It is ridiculous, though. Yeah. I cannot see that one actually happening. That would be no. that would be quite bizarre. There's a lot, there might be a few players moving on from the Raw. I don't think Jay O'Shea is on that list. I wouldn't imagine so. He is as close to untouchable as anybody in that squad. I think he is the untouchable one, only and seconded to uh, Tom Aldred. I think the the rest, you know, you could make an argument even at one percent chance are are expendable. But you know, Joe, I just think I think it's just unbelievable that you know that a play a play player like that is is even being discussed as a possible transfer. Yeah, that's it, and you know, I I think all these names just excuse me, get thrown around at this time of year anyway. Um, another rumour that came out, and we will, you know, go through possible player moves in a little bit more detail in our end-of-season show, but for the time being, apparently the Raw and MacArthur are interested in one Daniel Arzani. Now, I'll, I want to lead this one off, and I can because I'm the host. Um, 
Scott, I, I, I like the idea of the Raw signing Daniel Lazani because as we mentioned in uh, the Raw's A-League season recap, they have really missed that spark in attack and he could be the sort of player to get it. He will also be hungry to just get some minutes. I think I saw he's only played uh, the equivalent of about 13 games in the last three seasons. So, but it does also kind of depend on uh, which attackers are back next season as well because... To fit him in, in the sort of role that he plays, someone is going to have to be moved on. Absolutely. And look, that would be the case, wouldn't it? Because he's in those wide attacking areas, but he's very different to the players that we have currently. You know, he's very much Riku-like in terms of being a creative player in the front. And Raw have definitely missed that type of player this year, no doubt about that. But he also, if you think back, James, to when the Raw were at their absolute best in the A-League, it was players like Daniel Arzani who had done quite well and got a bit of notoriety, played junior national teams, in his case played senior national teams at the World Cup, no less. But then and um, just lost their way a little bit in their careers and they started coming back to Australia looking to for a chance to rebuild their career and have a real point to prove. I think players like an Eric Pardaloo, who was a junior international when he went overseas to play in Scotland, didn't quite work out for him, came back with a real point to prove and was able to, to use the Raw as a landing point to to relaunch his career, if you like, James. So there are some similarities with Daniel Arzani filling that type of profile. It's interesting. Well, if the Raw do bring him in, I think it would be a really interesting move because we haven't seen enough of him in the last couple of years to know where his game is really at, if he's, in, at if, if he's improved at all since his cameos at the World Cup. That's the last time I can recall seeing him play. So it's been a, it's been a long time since we've seen him play. I think he could be a useful addition if they bring him in, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and it is just rumours at that point as well. We can only say it so many times. I'm sure there will be some people assuming that if he goes and signs with like a Belgian second division team, that it's because the rule didn't offer him an appropriate contract, even though that may or may not be the case. We really don't know this sort of stuff. It's a rumour. Adam, but the only uh, question I would ask you before we'll uh, move on from this is, what is he the sort of player that the Raw should be uh, looking at signing? And is he that real sort of, you know, bang for buck uh, player? It's a it's a difficult one actually that uh, Daniel Azani because he he does notionally he is he is a winger and it's not like the Raw haven't got enough wingers on their books at the moment. But he'd also be a player. I actually think he has the he has the temperament mentality that you know you could, if you gave him the reins and said that you know you're you're the man. Yeah, and it means that he plays like a you know, plays a number ten role, or you know, heaven forbid, he might even be able to play a bit of number nine. Um, that he, he he seemed he seems to have had, and I use the word had, the confidence. You know, when you think about the lead up to to Russia and the Socceroos, that he he was a player that you know, and at Melbourne City as well before that, he was a player that had you know just absolute confidence himself, and maybe being sort of you know handed the reins to say, you know what, this is your show. Uh, would it, like I said, maybe that he would f- discover that confidence because obviously it seems to have been dented, you know, with, with sort of, you know, ever since he had that knee injury at um, at Celtic, Celtic, he really sort of, you know, hasn't been suicidal as much. But, um, but yeah, I, I think with him it's going to come at a big cost. And I just don't know if, from what we know as far as, you know, at the moment with the Raw, whether that they can they can meet an offer. Uh, like him. With that said, I'm not sure MacArthur do either. From especially some of the rumours that we've been seeing online, whether they're true or not is debatable. But uh, I think neither club, I think, probably could afford him at the moment. Yeah. I well, I think it also depends what sort of salary he's looking for because it's not like he's coming in with you know from the strongest negotiating point. But yeah. on that as well, I just run through, uh, and this may be a. Uh, very close to copy and paste from our uh, messenger chat, but Henry Hoare, Jez Lofthouse, Eli Adams, Alex Parsons, you know, these are all that, these are all guys in that young 20-ish promising attacking uh, wide and possibly central uh, group of players as well. Not to mention, you know, Jay O'Shea. Those are the guys that he will have to try and beat out for that role. And that's why I kind of feel like, you know, maybe Eli Adams does uh, move to uh, Europe like he was trialling for back in January. Maybe 
someone else gets moved on as well uh, with the promise of more football. I wouldn't want to give up on any of the guys that they've got at the moment. Lofthouse, he's had a year of training with the um, senior team now. He's gotten a taste of A-League football. He knows what he'll have to go and work on this off-season. Same sort of story for guys like Henry Hoare. Alex Parsons, I think, uh, if he can stay healthy, he'll be a good option. I just... My only question with Arzani, aside from health, is it going to be adding more of what you've already got? Also, I don't think he's competing with the younger guys. I think it would more be he would be coming in as the established first-team, first-choice winger, and the young guys would be backing him up. So I think that would be more the case in terms of... I don't think he'd be coming here as a p- potential at 24, I think he is now. It would is he be, 24 now? I think he's... Is he? I thought he, he was only like 22. He was 23 last year. Oh, at 22. Either way, he's... Isn't it, he's above? Is the next generation above the Eli Adams and and the Alex Parsons group for sure? So I think so, at this point he would be considered a first choice signing, James. He wouldn't be one for the future. He's for the right now. You bring him in and you expect an impact from him immediately. Twenty-three so, years old, Daniel Alzani. There we go. So it was in between what we thought he was, but on that as well. So you'd see him more as a, a competition for guys like Ivanovic and Miliuznic rather than the youth brigade. Absolutely. That's yep. where I would see him coming if he's going to join. Okay, fair enough. All right. Um, we will uh, go a little bit national now and talk about the uh, A-League men's final system. So uh, six teams, seven games over two weeks. Scott, who wins it from here? I think Melbourne Victory will win it. I just think it, for them it sets up quite nicely, doesn't it? They're in a situation where they may not have to leave Victoria to win the grand final. And for them... If they're playing games in Victoria, they're going to have, no matter who it's against, they're going to have the crowd advantage on their side because obviously they have more support than Western United and Melbourne Melbourne City. So it lines up quite nicely for me for Melbourne Victory. As much as we don't like it, I think they could be on their way to a grand final win. Well, just on that quickly, uh, none of Victorian teams will have to leave Victoria to win the A-League title this year because they're 1-2-3. So they will have hosting rights. Um... Well, Melbourne City will for the... Um, semi-final oh yeah that's right for the second leg of the semi-final they will have to do that well if we assume that Western is Western United Melbourne victory is that locked in or is it 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 will be yeah because it's 2-3 yeah Yeah. so they'll be playing all their games at I assume Amy Park Adam who wins from here Uh, look I actually think Melbourne City I I think Melbourne City uh, I I can honestly my my head says it's going to be a the original Melbourne Derby grand final. What I'd like to see, I, to be honest, I'd like to see Central Coast give it a real, real, real shake. I, I don't, I don't know whether they, uh, like I said, that, that'll be one semi-final, I do believe, will be Melbourne, unless something really wild happens with Wellington. The Melbourne City Central Coast will be one semi-final and Melbourne Victory, Western United in the other, potentially. I don't, I don't know if Western United, uh, We'll lose over two legs. I, I think um, that's yes. Western United, Wellington. That's only one leg. Yeah, yeah, so that, the, yeah. That's that's the playing game, the elimination final. So yeah, I, I do think I do think um, yeah. Central. I think I, I actually think Central Coast may be able to knock off Adelaide in the elimination final, and then uh, I'd, I actually like to see a Melbourne victory and uh, Central Coast final. The rematch of the uh, the FFA Cup slash Australia Cup final. No, I want to see Central Coast Wellington. I don't know if it's possible, but that's the grand final I would absolutely love to see. This whole road to the finals yes. going to go through Melbourne, and it ends up between Central Coast and Wellington in Gosford. Also, Wellington. Also. That would be that'd be fantastic. But I just I can't see anything other than the original Melbourne derby mm. in the final. I think they've been the two best sides. I think they'll end up in the grand final. It would be it would be possible. They basically it would have to be Central Coast beats Adelaide, Wellington beats um, Western West United, Sydney. and then. They win their two semi-finals and grand final in Gosford. Well, it's possible, yeah. But my, I think it's Melbourne City's to lose. I, yeah. I think getting that week off between lifting the Premier's plate and then having to travel to, I would guess Adelaide or Gosford for the first leg of their semi-final. I think they'll they'll be uh, fit firing and could very easy, could very well kill that tie off uh, in the opening ninety minutes. My hope, like I think from. A league perspective, they need a Melbourne Derby Grand Final. I think you sell out Amy Park that way, you have all sorts of, you know, colour and whatnot in the stands as well. Admittedly, that colour will probably be a lot of navy blue, which may not reflect all that well on uh, Melbourne City, but 
that's probably what the league needs the best, and I do think Melbourne City will get the job done. However, my hope for entertainment's sake, and this probably requires a little bit more uh, good fortune going the A-League's way, I think the best game you could have for the grand final will be Melbourne City over Adelaide. I think, like, those guys, those two teams have played some absolutely bonkers games this season alone. There's plenty of history uh, between those two sides. I can't, I honestly think, like, best case scenario is Adelaide beat Central Coast in an extra time thriller. Mm. Wellington upsets um, Western United. City beats Wellington in the, uh, in their semi-final. Adelaide knocks off Melbourne victory in the original rivalry over two legs. And then you get Melbourne City, Adelaide in the grand final. I think that's, in terms of a entertainment perspective, that's probably what you want. From a health of the league, it's got to be a Melbourne Derby grand final. I forget which time you said um, at Amy Park, Solid. I hope that's what they do. I hope if it is City Victory Grand Final, I hope they don't think, let's take it to Marvel Stadium and try and get 50,000. I, ho- I hope they take the, the capacity crowd at Amy Park as opposed to the two-thirds to three-quarters full Marvel Stadium approach. Unless you're going to tell me they're going to fill that stadium, it should be staying at Amy Park. I've been told that uh, Marvel is uh, booked out by Aussie Rules for the weekend, so that's not an issue. That's good. I probably should have checked the uh, AFL draw before I said that, but I'll, the person who told me watches that much AFL that I'm assuming he uh, knows what's coming up a couple of weeks in advance. Yeah, and look, that's actually probably not a bad thing, but yeah, look, I think the good thing about this final series is that that there doesn't seem to be a team that's made up the numbers in the final series this year. I think the last couple of finals, you sort of felt like that, you know... Now, team teams are there because they fell over fell over the line and they fin- they finish in fifth or sixth or or where even though fifth and sixth actually knocked off three and four last year. But um, yeah, I think look even in, in sixth place, Wellington if they show up on on the day, and also as well the the sort of prospect of a two legged semi final, which means that you know one lucky day in the final four is not going to get you home. That you need to be the best team over 180 minutes. Is I think I think it actually does reinvigorate the uh, the final series. So I, I I'm actually looking forward to it because I think it's going to be some very very good football. And I, like I said, the the Melbourne teams are the obvious ones, but I would not the other three the other towns I guess you want to call them like Adelaide, Central Coast, and Wellington. I wouldn't write off their prospects either. I think that's what makes this final series very fascinating. Two things uh, I did see a uh, good point from A League memes talking about how. Like every uh, team is, well, only one team has actually won over half their games this season, which, look, admittedly, probably partly uh, done because of the COVID chaos with the um, squads being depleted here and there. However, it is also a good point about the parity in the league, where it is a wide open uh, title race. For this Saturday, though, here's a stat. Uh, Wellington and Western United have played three times this season, once in the Australia Cup and uh, twice in the league. What's the record in those three meetings? I'm going to say, I'm going to say three draws. Scott? It can't be draws because one was the Australia Cup game. I reckon Wellington are unbeaten in those games. All three uh, Wellington wins. Oh, they were in- too. Including a 4-1 win yeah. um, where Soterio scored a double about a month ago as well. So um, I think there is a very, very good chance that you know any team on their day can win it. And Let's not forget as well, Wellington back at the Cake Tin on um, Wednesday evening, I believe, next Wednesday evening, if they wind up um, finding a way to knock off Western United. So you don't think that'll be a motivated side as well? They've been through a lot over the last couple of years, but it's you know a testament to the mental strength of that I side. The final live on a Wednesday in Wellington is going to get a massive crowd given how starved the football they've been over there. Yeah. Exactly. So I think there's a real uh, chance uh, that we'll um, yeah, see what happens. This is normally where I would uh, plug the NPL Sunday show as well, featuring Scott and Adam. But uh, looking at the radar, there may not be an NPL Sunday show uh, by the looks of it, Scott. Uh, it's Sorry, not weekend great host. At the mo- it's not looking great at the moment, is it? Midweek host. But we'll have to wait and see. At the moment, it, it, the games are still officially on at this stage. But I think if you were going to be... Um, forecasting ahead you'd imagine most if not all these games will be called if not tomorrow certainly by Friday yeah 
I'm, and, pretty, uh, much, I'm pretty much banking on a free weekend. Yes. So and, I might watch, uh, some, might watch some A-League finals football. Well, I would also, yeah, just say, like, the uh, game Scott and I commentated on Saturday night. By the way, thanks for helping me out with that, Scott. That was the end of a very long day uh, for me of back-to-back-to-back. You're uh, welcome. It was good to be back in the commentary booth for the first time in about two and a half years. Yeah, look what happened last time uh, you were co-commentating with me. We won't go into that. <laughs> but, uh, well, well, we can joke about you uh, losing your voice for three weeks because you didn't think to bring a jumper up to Toowoomba when it was 18 degrees and raining sideways. In my defence, it was the last week of January or the first week of February. It was the last week of February? Earlier than that. Anyway, I, I, was, I was overseas, so probably... Okay, either way, um, that was quite uh, that was quite funny. Um but yeah, for but, you maybe, not for me. But, like, the game we did at Lions was, um, yeah, you could see the ball was already struggling to move on that pitch as well, where it, and you get the feeling after, what, 100 plus mils of rain uh, this week, a lot of those uh, fields probably won't be in pristine condition to have people running around on them all day. Now, on, um, on Saturday, do want to close out with just a little bit of an anecdote. So Scott did uh, do me a little bit of a favour in commentary with... Um, yeah, jumping into the booth uh, at Double Take Sports to do the Lions Olympic co-coms for me, which was nice because I wound up doing uh, three games in a row. I had Rugby uh, Hospital Cup at 3 o'clock, 10-minute break into Virginia Western Pride. Um, yeah, Virginia Western Pride at 5 o'clock, and then 7 o'clock, the big game at Lions. So that was, um, yeah, pretty... Yeah, It was a good game. It was, I mean, it was... What we kind of seen in the last couple of games from um, Lions Olympic is that where Olympic push and they push and they find a way to be competitive, but ultimately Lions just find a way to get the win, don't they? And Joey Duckworth in this game, James, was absolutely superb on the in the middle of the park, just controlling the game, and he absolutely was the player of the match, no doubt about that. But there was also that red card for Shelford Dayas, which I've never seen it before, James, where a, a referee has given an advantage and then gone back and gone back and given a red card after the fact. But apparently you can do that if it's a goal scoring opportunity. I've never seen it implemented that way before. It was certainly confusing, if not probably the right decision, but I'd never seen it before. Yeah. Sorry, uh, we are just exchanging messages behind the scenes here as well. So if we seem a bit distracted in the last couple of minutes, it may be worthwhile because if this story is in fact true, we may have to extend the show for another 10 or so minutes. Otherwise, we'll talk about it in a little while. Um, but what I want... Yeah, on that as well, I, I <laughs> if you go back and watch the uh, commentary, I think it um, happened from... Um, okay, well, there we go. Um, I, I was watching it and was, I, all I was thinking was, yeah, you, uh, that Deus was going to get a yellow card and truth be told, it actually looked like a yellow card. Um for the time being we will leave that story by the way guys because we'll wait for actual uh reliable source to um or something a bit more tangible um but yeah i thought days you know the challenge wasn't great i don't think he would uh argue otherwise and he didn't seem to be protesting the red card too much once he started uh walking off uh but yeah it was a bit of a statement win from uh lions there as well 3-1 and yeah, not a whole lot you could uh, really say about that. Scott, uh, final thoughts on the NPL from the last week? It was a good round, wasn't it? That was obviously the highlight game, but there were also a couple of derby games as well over the course of the last seven days. It, it, uh, Western Pride got derby bragging rights out there in Ipswich this time last week, and then Gold Coast Knights got their revenge over Gold Coast United on Saturday afternoon. James with an early goal in that one, but might throw to Adam here to talk about the derby in his neck of the woods because I'm... Um, <laughs> I think he's still uh, basking in the glow of it. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, Morton Bay uh, notching their first ever derby win over Peninsula Power in the uh, Morton Bay derby, a 2-0 win. So, look, at uh, Morton Bay's prospects sort of a couple of weeks ago were looking fairly dire as far as, you know, in relegation trouble. But uh, two, two wins... Two wins and a uh, draw, seven points out of nine. And all of a sudden, they're sort of in relative um, safety for the time being. But I think, again, we, we talk about the A-League as far as you know being competitive. This MPL season as well is going to be ultra-competitive where, you know, yeah, a couple a couple of wins will probably see safety, is safety or yeah, you know, even potentially challenging for the top four. But if you go on a form slump... Um, 
if you're on a force sub, that uh, yeah, it is a case of uh, you may be in relegation trouble. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, we'll. Um, yeah, I think I think that's going to be a big story for the rest of the season. All right. I think before we get any more distracted, uh, we might just call it a day on this episode and say uh, that will be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you once again, James. Hopefully everyone can stay safe in this wet weather and may hopefully see some football in the not-too-distant future. Indeed. Don't drive like a moron in wet weather. It shouldn't be that hard. There's Adam? plenty of those out there, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thanks, gentlemen. Uh, Queensland's version of Mick Malloy is signing out. <laughs> That's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, while we do have the season recap coming up before too long... I, I just want to say, yeah, big thanks to everyone for listening uh, throughout the season. We've done our best to try and keep it entertaining and fun and not get too depressing in what has been a rough season of results for the Raw's men's and women's team. And, um, yeah, we do appreciate the people who have stuck it out right to the end. The football content doesn't stop, though, on the Brisbane Football Review. There will be NPL Sunday continuing with Scott and Adam, and I might make a cameo here and there when I do have a voice. But, um, yeah. And uh, well, that will probably also be dependent on when there is actual NPL football too. In the meantime, yeah, get out to your local club when they do have uh, games on. There is still a whole lot more to uh, cover. And we'll be back to recap it all on the Brisbane Football Review at some stage down the line. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you later. Nah.